What's better than a regular happy hour? How about an ultimate happy hour for moms? Martini Mamas podcast is a weekly hangout for modern mamas to discuss mamahood, work-life balance, blended families, and self-care. So whether you're looking for advice, community, or a new bestie, you are in the right place. Cheers. Welcome back to the Martini Mamas podcast. It is your girl, Rika. And this week, I am pouring into you about becoming the million dollar woman. Yep, you heard me right. Not a millionaire, but a million dollar woman. After reading the book by Rachel Rogers, We Should All Be Millionaires, The Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power, I could not wait to have this conversation. Becoming a million dollar version of ourselves requires us to do a couple of things. Like our girl Rachel Rogers teaches in the book, one, we have to let go of some of those broke ass habits and thoughts. As I was inspired reading this book, I thought that, you know, what is keeping us from becoming that version of ourselves? And as I've been thinking about this over and over again, and as I read the book, one thing that really stuck out was habits. So let me start off with this quote from Octavia Butler. First, forget inspiration. Habit is more dependable. Habit will sustain you whether you're inspired or not. Habit will help you finish and polish your stories. Inspiration won't. Habit is persistence in practice. And I think a lot of us miss um, reaching our goals, not because we're not inspired, not because we don't have confidence. It's because of our daily habits of just doing kind of the simplest things to get us there. In the book, Rager breaks it down into two parts, million-dollar behavior and million-dollar roadmap. She narrates this book from personal lessons learned, and each chapter has a summary with action items. Now, um, I was quite shocked to see that when she put in all the stats, one of the main reasons that she says in the million dollar section, behavior section of the book is the reason why we don't reach a lot of our goals is because of imposter syndrome and how actually having imposter syndrome blocks us from wealth. Now, before you start giving me a side eye, rolling your, you know, your neck and just looking up to the ceiling like, here we go again. Um, for me, it was very eye opening because I was able to like identify with some of the ways that imposter syndrome shows up. And it's easy to talk about it as a mom and as a woman when you're in the workplace, but it's a whole it's levels to it. And so Honestly, I know it's not like we haven't, again, heard it before, but like the practical things that she puts in place becoming the million dollar version of ourselves is actually how we view ourselves. And I would be lying if I didn't say 
I suffer from imposter syndrome and to this day kind of sort of still do. And so I wanted to unpack that. So what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is a term that two doctors by the name of Dr. Pauline Clance and Dr. Suzanne Imes coined back in 1978. During the rise of many black women in the 70s and 80s, Donna Summers was blazing the charts. Diana Ross was serving legendary looks, climbs and am. Imes conducted a study on high-achieving women and found that these women felt that even though they were in the height of their career, they felt inadequate, inferior, and perceived themselves to be a fraud. Now, I mean, honey, like, say what? And it just makes me think like sometimes we can view other women who are on top of their game and feel like, oh, they they have to be so sure of themselves. But in reality, a lot of them women suffer just as much as we do about the decisions that they're making. And so these feelings are often accompanied with anxiety, stress, depression, low self-esteem. And I wonder how many of us in our day-to-day don't realize that we use some of the language and don't realize that it is a form of imposter syndrome. So let let me just give you some ways that the imposter shows up in our day-to-day that's in the book. So she says, imposter syndrome shows up in many different ways. It can look like this. Win a prestigious award, but secretly believing that it was just a fluke. You probably didn't deserve it or something like it definitely never happened again. Consistently delivering high quality work on your um, work to your boss, receiving praise or even merit based bonus, but quietly believing you don't really know what you're doing and one day they'll find out. Earning a bachelor's, a master's, a doctorate, plus a slew of additional certifications like certified coach or certified project manager, um, just for good measure, dolphin trainer, and you still feeling like you're not qualified enough to go after that dream job or charge top dollar for your services. How about receiving an amazing opportunity, but chalking up to lucky timing or just knowing the right people? As if having the right people in your corner and cultivating strong relationships has nothing to do with how awesome you are. Ding, ding. That's one for me. Dreaming about doing something really cool, giving a TEDx talk, writing a book, starting a podcast, hosting a special event, but then procrastinating for years or never starting at all because deep down you worry. Who will listen to me? Others have already done this. They've done it better. I even could. Or how how can I even try? Or why even bother? Bother. Having an avalanche of evidence like statistics, case studies, testimonials, endorsements to confirm that you're excellent at fitness, marketing, designing sleek contemporary, um, avant-garde, um, fashion, whatever you do, yet continually doubting that you're good enough. Working for free or undercharging for your services because you're terrified that you suck at whatever service you're providing. So you figure you're only charged $15 instead of $1,500. She even goes on to talk about how when she was starting out as a lawyer, um, she would undercharge for her trademark services. And there was another male 
counterpart doing exactly what she was doing and was doubling in price. And her imposter syndrome showed up like I could never when in actuality she should and she she did eventually do it. Um, so the question is, is that do you recognize yourself in some of those descriptions? To be honest, I know I did. I know that I'm really good at some things that I've undercharged for. And I also know that there are a lot of things that I want to do. Um, but sometimes I feel like, oh, I don't have the team or I don't have the resources or I don't have this. And I just have to take a step back and realize that everything that I am trying to do, everything that I want to do, I have. Right. And so when we have imposter syndrome, we use that language. We're actually coming from a place of lack. And baby, we don't lack anything. We don't. Um, one study even showed that 55 percent of self-employed women automatically discount their prices before the client even asks for a lower price. Women consistently underestimate their performance on tests. Um, we make knee-jerk uh, reactions as far as scoring on exams till we actually see our score. And then we're like, oh, okay, I did better than what I thought. Have, have you ever said that? Oh, man, I did better than what I thought. Interestingly enough, men do the all opposite. They overcompensate. Rachel states in the book that the cost of persistently underestimating your intelligence and performance means you're less likely to launch the business, you're less likely to apply for the grant, you're less likely to go for that C-level position because you don't think that you are enough. Baby, let me just tell you, you are. So the first steps in combating this is to stop feeling guilty for being the go-getter. I know that sounds easier said than done, but just how, imagine how your life would change if you believed in yourself the way other people believed in you. I came across a profile um, earlier this week on Instagram and the title of the caption was, if you only knew. And it was talking about how we doubt ourselves so much, but there's other people looking at us as if we are the example, that we are inspiring them, that we are encouraging them and, and, and empowering them to go to the next level when we don't even view ourselves like that. If we only knew that if we're the ones that is full of doubt, it's not the people that's around us. It is people being able to see how powerful we are, but we can't even see it in ourselves. And that's one thing that we have to stop because in order to become the million dollar version of ourselves, we really have to change the way we view ourselves, the way we talk about ourselves and the limiting beliefs, a.k.a. the broke ass thoughts. That's <laughs> that's Rachel's term in the book. So how do we get there? Um, she has a list of things and activities that she tells us to do. Number one, she wants us to recognize our natural talents. What are your natural talents? What are things that just come to you naturally? Audit your career. Make a list of all your accomplishments. Write down all the ways that you've made a company, a boss, clients, home life easier. Find trends in your success. For example, 
Are you consistently uplifting morale in the workplace, fixing broken systems, or finding the right words to make a message just sizzle off the screen? All of those things you can leverage, and they're your natural gifts to help you make millions. A better way that she put it was understanding what is your zone. So there's a zone of incompetence. There's a zone of competence, zone of excellence, and zone of genius. Zone of genius is where we're all wishing, praying. I shouldn't say we should be wishing and praying, but that is the place that we should just be operating at a daily basis. But we're not. So let's go through the zones and see where we fit. Zone of incompetence are things that you're skilled at. Zone of incompetence are things you are not skilled at. These are the things that requires some hard effort for you to do. Zone of competence is things you can do efficiently, but doesn't light your heart on fire. You don't have a passion for it. You just can get the job done. Zone of excellence, you're trained at it. You're skilled at it. Um, This is the place that pays well. um, But in your heart, you still feel like, man, I'm still missing something. And in all actuality, a lot of people stay here because they don't want to leave their comfort zone because that's what this place is. This is this is your comfort zone Um, here. There's no fear. You know what the day to day is going to be. For example, um, you've been trained to be a doctor. And so the doctor is your profession. You do it. You do it well. But in all actuality, you much rather be traveling the world, giving TEDx talks or um, running a nonprofit for medicine. Right. Like it's not that you can't do both and it's not that you can't do the other, but you rather stick to being just a doctor instead of going after your real passion because of comfort. The last is zone of genius. This is your natural ability. These are innate skills, not learned skills, and you can go just go with the flow. You don't struggle to create in this zone. The zone of genius in is a place where there's little to no competition for your work because what you bring to the table is so unique. Like no one could duplicate it. They can try, but they can't do it how you do it. When we start setting boundaries to operate in our zone of genius, we don't undervalue our effort. For my stay-at-home moms out there who think that just because you are a working mom, a stay-at-home mom, um, you don't have a zone of genius to operate in, like I just want to kill that notion right now. Many moms run successful blogs They create courses about home systems. They have amazing um, podcasts that they, you know, run all centered around making someone else's life better. And it is their zone of genius, whether it's organization skills, whether it's DIY. These moms can still run an empire and make a a living. Um, Like, do you sew? Are you offering sewing classes? Are you offering um, DIY sewing lessons via YouTube? Like there is a community and tribe out there looking for you. I think the biggest thing is, is that we don't think that we are enough. Baby, if you at home handling the budget, 
You can run a finance course. Do you homeschool your children? You can provide different opportunities of tricks of the trade that helped you raise successful kids that you homeschool. Again, are you crafty? What are things that you are doing right now that that you do effortlessly? Um, That is your zone of genius. And so I think we need to focus on who we want to be in that next level, in the next season. And it starts with how we view ourselves again and our language. So what do we need to do? First, we have, we take so much time into making sure that somebody else's vision come to life that we don't take time to work on our vision. We put so much effort into others when we don't put those that same effort into ourselves. As we get on the road of becoming a million-dollar version of ourselves, it's going to require us to make some million-dollar decisions. And what those million-dollar decisions versus those broke-ass decisions do is it creates time. It frees up mental space. It um, creates a space for stuff that matters to you. It allows you to feel strong, secure, and free, and it creates opinions instead of eliminating options. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of some broke-ass decisions versus million-dollar decisions that she talks about in the book. One BAD is, um, and that's for broke-ass decisions, is letting a house guest stay with you for a week, even though you know it will disrupt your work, peace, and well-being. Instead, the million-dollar decision would be just telling your guests that they can stay with you for two nights and giving them a list of hotels where they can stay for the remainder of the trip. Walking the dog every day um, in the morning and night even though you don't enjoy it and you're always tired. The million dollar decision is hiring a dog walker or delegating it to, you know, as a chore, delegating it to a family member. Your car broke down and you take it to the mechanic to fix for the third time this year. The million dollar decision, head down to the dealer, trade in your broke down car for a reliable certified pre-owned because of time and money. Lastly, you make dinner for your spouse and kids every night, even though you work hard, just like everyone else in the household. You make dinner once or twice in a week, invite your spouse and children to make dinner the other nights while you put your feet up and relax. Resentment gone instantly. Now, those last two I want to talk about because I've been in both those situations. The last one um, about the car. I was holding on to a, uh, man, a Traverse. I'm just going to put the model out there. It was Traverse. And it was like a 2011 Traverse. And I was holding on to this thing, y'all. And I was mainly holding on to it because it was paid off. I was like, this thing is paid off. I ain't got no car note. It is what it is. However, engine light was coming on. A couple of other things was coming on. The mileage on it was extremely high. I just really just needed a new car, but I refused to get this car. And it's funny how when we don't take matters in our own hand, God will make you do a thing. And so I was pregnant at the time on my way to the hospital, driving this car that I know has some issues, know that I should have been should have been traded in a long time ago. It was raining. Do y'all know that my car just completely gave out like 
three miles to the hospital. I end up having to call a girlfriend to come get me because I was stuck on the side of the road. Had to call, cancel the the doctor's appointment that I was at because you couldn't be 15 minutes uh, late. It was just a whole thing. And the reason why I say um, it was a, a BAD decision, because it's it's not like I didn't have the money to get a new car. It wasn't like I know I didn't need a new car. I was able. I just wasn't willing to upgrade that part of my life because of something that is of lack of limiting. You know, like, no, you deserve the best, girl. And I after... However many years of me driving that car, I I really did need a new car. On the way back home, um, I just went in, did a pre-approved application with Navy Federal and was approved within minutes. Had a check and literally had a car within the next week. Called my husband, was like, yep, this happened. And he was just like, all right, well, I guess we're looking for you a new truck. What you want? And it was it was such a ease. But sometimes we stay in these situations, you know, making it through and grumbling it through for what? For whose sake? Like no one's given us a medal for for struggle, for being on the struggle bus. The other was cooking every night. Like Y'all, this whole, you know, cooking dinner epidemic. (laughs) Oh, Lord, having to cook every single night. Like, that's why I taught my kids to cook early because um, Fend for Yourself Fridays is something that I incorporated long, long time ago. Fend for Yourself Friday. I cook Monday through Thursday, Friday and... No, I cook Sunday through Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Y'all got it, you know? And so... I even remember when I was, you know, working full time and my husband working full time and he would come home. And, you know, even though he sat in longer traffic than me, we both had long working days and he would come home, take his boots off and, you know, get comfortable, do what he need to do, cut on TV and and just watch his shows. And, you know, it was like felt like it was on me to cook dinner. And I remember the day that all stopped, I was just like, okay, I'm going to stop talking about it. So if it's okay for him to come home and take his boots off and watch his favorite show and curl up on the couch, I'm going to do the same thing because we are parents, right? I think we have to like take away the fact that you know, I'm the wife and he's the husband. No, we are parents. We have a buttload of kids and we are working parents. We're both, like I tell everybody in our house, we have to contribute to this household because we are a family. And so one day he looked at me and asked me, oh, well, what's for dinner? I said, I don't know. What's for dinner? He's like, what what, what we got down there? I was like, I don't know what we got down there. He got up. So, I mean, since that day, we take turns cooking throughout the week. In four years, though, y'all, when he was gone those four years and I had to do it by myself, child, struggle bus. But, you know, 
it, it worked itself out. I got some tricks of the trade for that. But I'm just letting you know um, there are things that we can make better decisions in our life to do instead of staying in roles. We have to do what's better um, for us in our household, especially in this day and age with, you know, inflation on the rise and food is what it is, we have to get back to doing things that will make us, you know, will give us power. And power is in the dollar. You get that, girlfriend? Power is in the dollar. So instead of us living in a, in a space where we don't think that we have enough, we, we, we are not enough, we have to begin to change the language of, you know, I am enough. Don't, I don't chase. I attract. And then I do. And I think we get lost in the doing. We we love the, you know, I don't chase. We love the attraction of it. We love, you know, writing it down. But the, the part of doing is where I think we all struggle with. And so it's back to our habits. So going into 2023, I urge all of us not to just write a uh you know, goals down and say, I want to achieve this. I urge you to actually write the plan. And I urge you to write the plan so much so that you put, you know, monetary goals to your plan. And that is something that I am changing this year is that I'm putting a monetary goal um, on my on my list because you know, when you see that goal and you know, like working towards this goal is going to give me a sense of freedom, then it makes it easier to work for it. Um, before I let you go, let's recap. What are the things that you can do to purge imposter syndrome from your life so that you can become the million dollar woman? Number one, acknowledge that you're not alone and that your brain is not broken. Sometimes you might feel broke, right? But you're not broke. You're not broken. And virtually every woman on this planet Earth has or will suffer from that thought of imposter syndrome. Even me, even Michelle Obama, even Maya Angelou. These are women who felt those same insecurities, but refused to let them stop them in their efforts of becoming and doing great things. So don't let it stop you. The other thing is get into habit tracking, not tracking what you do, but tracking your victories. So often we track, oh, I kept up with this or I did this and I did that, right? Far as completion. But when was the last time you actually tracked your victories, tracked the things that you achieved, really gave yourself a pat on the back, like, girl, you did that thing and actually rewarded yourself. We do a lot of things, even the smallest things, and we just go through life like, yep, had to get it done when we should be rewarding ourselves for achieving those things, right? Because, honey, it's a work to get to that next level. Elevation ain't for the faint of heart. Get therapy is another thing we could do. Um, therapy really looks different on a lot of people. But I like the fact that um, she mentioned that we have to heal through some things so that we can 
begin to see ourselves in the correct lens. When you've been told you are something for so many years and it's negative, you begin to believe that thought. So you really have to unlearn some behaviors. You really have to unlearn some language that is spoken to yourself subconsciously and begin to heal from some traumas so that when you look in the mirror, you can really see yourself for who exactly for who you are, for exactly who you are. Um, Get out and be active. Let the dopamine of just being active get just flow through your body. I'm not saying you got to go out here and run a 5K. What I am saying is get into some yoga, get into some things that um, requires your heartbeat to, you know, like get up a tick. Um, Start taking care of your body, nourishing it, nurturing it. Those are some things, um, some self-care practices that we really need to put into place. We get in the habit of the maintenance aspect of getting our hair done and our nails done. And yes, that feels good in a moment, but why not just go take a walk in nature and breathe in fresh air, um, sit in the sun and on a bench and, you know, read our favorite book. Something that really transforms us from the inside in a space that no one could see, but we can feel. That's what we need to start working on more. And lastly, I want you to do is actually start believing in yourself. Believe that you are capable. Believe that you, you know, you deserve it. I think that's one of the hardest things for me is that sometimes you're like, man, I don't even deserve this. Sometimes you just need to like sit back and think, yes, I deserve it. And that, you know, being still doesn't mean that you're not doing. A lot of times we don't know how to be still in a place and still function and do. Being still is actually just making sure that we are focused on one thing and completing that thing. I like to call it taking the ball downfield. Uh, I love football. So, you know, we get such in a habit of just catching the ball, but we don't run with the ball. We, you know, we're not blocking. We're not doing all the things to get the touchdown, to get the win. So get the win, babe. Get the win. You deserve to win. See you next week. I hope this was uh, good for you. It was definitely good for me. I know I served up a lot right then and there, but I hope you will join me next week where we finish off this book learning about how to create the million dollar vision and actually having an action plan for it. So it's one thing to um, start with the mindset and start believing, yes, I deserve more, right? Greater is in me. Now it's time to write the plan for it. So join me next Thursday where we talk about the million dollar vision and the 25 things that you can do to upgrade your life today. Well, that is the end of today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. If we're not connected on Instagram, which is my favorite place to hang out, be sure to stop by and say hi at Martini Mama's podcast. Also, if you haven't done so, Please follow, rate, and review us. Higher ratings and higher reviews mean more dope moms can find us. And I keep bringing you fresh mom content that matters. Until next Thursday, be blessed.